This week on the I Love Funny Women podcast. Everybody could tell from the get-go I was a little lesbian girl. I had a chili bow haircut, wore ties on picture day. He said, well, what would you do if you can change what you want to do? I said, I'd be, I'd be a comedian. What gets me off is you laughing at me or with me. For that very moment, I forget, you know, how sad I am about my sister. Welcome to the I Love Funny Women podcast with your host, Dina Nina. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the I Love Funny Women podcast. I'm your host, Dina Nina, and this is Pride Month. Huzzah! I don't know if you've watched the series Pride on FX or Hulu, but it is an amazing look into queer history and something I think everyone should watch. I am also so proud to be who I am and so grateful that I'm able to live my life as me. Regardless of what people say about my gender, I am a strong, powerful, and amazing, funny woman. So pride to me is being able to be me and to support those in the community who don't have support and loving families and who struggle every day just to live their truth. And that goes for everyone. Even if you're not part of the LGBTQIA plus community, your expression of who you are is lovely and amazing. And if you are someone who needs more support or are having trouble living in the truth of who you are and you're a young person, you can always find resources at thetrevorproject.org. And if you're having a mental health crisis or need some help with substance abuse issues or, or you need to reach out to someone just to talk, you can also go to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, and their number is 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357 or samhsa.gov. A huge thank you goes out to the staff of the Spamy Clinic in Madison, Wisconsin. Thank you for listening and thanks for taking care of my baby Gertie. We love having you listen. Also, we'd love to hear from all of you out there. So go on over to Instagram, post a video, and tag at I Love Funny Women with the hashtag HeyDina. And you could be on the podcast or even on our YouTube. And also, guys, if you could give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it would really help us out a lot. So just go on over there, say a couple nice words, put a five-star, and uh, we'd be super, super grateful. Hey, this is Door Girl Greg. Thank you for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. If you haven't by now, you should really go to the socials and check out at I Love Funny Women on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube because really, what else are you going to do? So now let's get into the news. Democratic Senators Manchin and Cinema are facing flack from the party for blocking the Democrats' agenda. The two are defending their choices to leave the filibuster intact as the Democrats fight to get anything done bipartisanly. The GOP's current tactics are to fully obstruct any and all legislative progress other than what serves their own interests and the interests of the guy who lost. As the two quote-unquote Democrats find ways to defend their choices, we can't help but be aware that if the 90s block heel shoes were on the other foot, that the GOP would not hesitate to remove the filibuster if it impeded their pursuit of white supremacy and comfort over style. Also, Birkenstocks are back. Huh? 
As Trump's hold on the Republican Party tightens like all white people's assholes when race relations are brought up, so too does Trump's sphincter tighten at the increasing legal hot water he's beginning to face. The Manhattan DA has brought in several high-ranking officials from the Trump Organization. His properties are losing occupants. None of his minions could read well enough to sustain his blogging, and Facebook's oversight committee has banned him for two more years. Even so, he is persisting. Despite being deplatformed on social media, the Fox propaganda machine continues to feed the falsities to his Mountain Dew addicted adherents, who are anxiously awaiting for his reinstallment as president in August. Is this... Is that a real thing? Like, he... Okay. In case you missed it, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn appeared at the Forgotten Country Patriot Roundup rally in Dallas, Texas that espouses QAnon conspiracies last week. And when asked why a Myanmar-type coup d'etat couldn't happen in the U.S., he quickly said, no reason it couldn't, and, and, and wait for it, it should happen here. So let's be very clear here. Former administration officials are going on stages rallying for a literal coup. And so while we watch our democracy unravel in real time and mock Trump and his followers for the delusional idea that he could be reinstalled, it is absolutely possible here. Disclosure junkies are getting their addiction fed as the government is preparing to release a report on UAPs, or as they're more widely known, UFOs. The soon-to-be report we expected to give us a quick high will do little to satiate our need for the truth. A report has concluded that the craft that were seen on release Navy footage still seem to be inconclusive. <laughs> kind of anticlimactic. But the consensus is that the craft are not U.S. covert operations, but could be human-made vehicles, but are most likely not extraterrestrial in nature. Most likely. Hmm? Today we have UFO expert Estela Ruiz. Hi, Estela. Hello, Dina. So do you have any knowledge of what these craft are that the U.S. government may not know or are unwilling to disclose? Oh, girl, they know. They know. They're just not telling us. So what are what are they not telling us? That extraterrestrial beings have been in contact with us and have been mm. working with our government for years. Okay, I believe that fully, but what evidence do you have of human ET cooperation? Um, iPhones, duh. <laughs> I mean, that could just be that we've evolved technologically. Yeah, right. Like, we went from creating the wheel to an iPhone? Like, think about it. It just doesn't make sense. Oh, oh, and Wi-Fi connected vibrators? I mean, what? So how do Wi-Fi connected vibrators come into play? <laughs> Very well. <laughs> ah, ah, like, just, just now, the, the gray aliens are controlling mine right now. They know I need the dopamine boost. Oh, wait, it's happening again. Okay, well, we'll let you go on that. Please come again. <laughs> oh, yes! Any time. Thank you so much, Estella. Unfortunately, our sexologist Renee Hyden is on holiday for the next few weeks, so we'll be missing sex with the stars. But she'll return in July with all new insights. I'm Tour Girl Greg, and you're listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. So this week, I'm really excited to honor Pride Month with some of my favorite queer comics that we haven't talked to recently or that most people don't know about. So I want to get them out to you to let them know how much we appreciate them and to let you know of some funny, amazing queer people. 
So this week's guest, I'm so excited. She's born and raised in Dallas, Texas, my home area. She's a Latina lesbian comedian, and she started her own internet radio station in 2014. Please welcome Chris Guzman. You just got back from holiday. You were in Mexico, yeah? Yes, yes, yes. I got how pulled was... over by TSA as well. <laughs> oh, how did that go? <laughs> you know, they, no reason. I don't know if it's El Chapo, you know, Guzman, last name, but every time it never fails. Mexico, they pulled me over. Oh my God, that's so crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't help that I have a background as well. So. <laughs> oh, you've got a background? I'm so curious. Can you tell us more? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's actually where I met my wife, you know? Oh, in prison. Black. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, what, 16 years ago? Yeah. Oh, my God. I was young. I was I... a first-time mistake. <laughs> and um, And last time, you're like, never again. Yeah, it's like I got 18 months, but I'm doing life, you know, because I'm stuck with her. So <laughs> That's so awesome, though, how you met her. <laughs> how did that work out? Was it you? <laughs> yeah, she like was a... actually in prison before me. And I was there, I was in a relationship. And then the person broke up with me. And everybody knew they had their eyes on me. And she's a straight woman. Um, and she, you know, told her roommate to talk to me, send a little kite, the little message. And, uh, after that, we had started having dates in the chow hall and she started <laughs> cooking for me from commissary and, uh, game over. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really awesome that, that you're married now. Yeah. You th- oh, that's so sweet. So you live in Dallas, Texas, which I'm from Dallas area. Um, it is really cool to connect with somebody from, from the homeland. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We appreciate it. We miss you. <laughs> oh, miss you. Uh, it's, it's pride month. I know. And I know. And let, let's talk a little bit about what pride is to you. Mm, pride to me is being able to be my one true self and mm. nobody looking at me a certain way. You know, it used to be frowned upon. It still is. Um, but I have people backing me up now. You mm. know, it's, you know, people fighting for us, people noticing us. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just always want to be my one true self. You know, you never know. I remember having my first corporate job and I'd have to hide the fact that I was gay. You know, mm. the way I dress, mm. you could tell I am. But I would flip my little ring over and just make it look like a band or I'd put it on the opposite hand or my pinky finger uh, because you just never knew if they were going to judge you for that or move you up for that. So pride now, like what it means to me is just being my one true self. Like at work now we have groups and uh, meetings and, you know, diversity. So I don't have to hide who I am. I don't have to not not cut my hair, you know? Yeah. So I feel that's, like we have somebody fight for us now. You know, we have yeah. partners. That's really amazing. Because I remember, because I, I left Texas probably around almost 20 years ago now. And I remember it being hard to be queer. Because I, it was, I, especially growing up in the church. Um, yeah. Do you know anything about that? <laughs> 
Baptists, uh, Baptists, you know, my grandfather was a preacher. My whole dad's family, they run the church, secretary, pastors, uh, assistant, like we're, we are the church. (laughs) How are they with you? Actually, it's funny because my dad's side of the family is the side that we thought would be so judgmental. They run the church. It's literally one ants, the Sunday school, one ants, the, you know, choir lady, everything. And Mm -hmm. they're the most welcoming, open arms. When I had a Mm -hmm. wedding, I was scared to, you know, invite them. And they were upset that I didn't invite them to the first one, which I did in the country because that's where my wife's from. And I had one in Dallas because they were so upset. And they were just open arms to this day. You know, every time I post a picture, they're like, proud of you. We love you. Now that, you know, was was hard to come out to them. I still haven't came out to them about prison because they don't know. Like they were that judgmental, you know. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. So they're just so supportive. And uh, it surprises me, but it just makes my heart melt just to know that, you know. Yeah. And I shouldn't be scared of my own family. Um, but that's how much in the church they are. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, the courage it takes to come out to your family, especially that are in traditional religious backgrounds is it's, it's immense, you know, like I, so I left and moved to Los Angeles to, to transition to become fully who I am. And it wasn't, that wasn't the reason I just got there and I was like, Oh, Oh, My aunt came to uh, my aunt and my mom came to LA and um, we were at this outdoor mall and these guys were holding hands and she was like, they're just, they're just holding hands out in public. (laughs) And I was like, yep. (laughs) Yep. They never seen anything like it. Right. Um, So you, we were talking about this a little bit before, but I really want to get into this because we have something kind of in common we both kind of started internet radio stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah tell and me so about what you... You know where Waco's at, right? Yes, I know. Okay, I know some where people Waco don't is. know. Yeah, some people don't know. And I'm like, you know where Austin is, right? They're like, yeah, I'm like, nowhere close to there, you know? But <laughs> um, so basically, I started DJing, you know, at clubs and things like that. I love music, but mm. I learned that I like being more on the mic. So uh, I went to school for broadcasting, American Broadcasting School, and they would teach you how to run the boards and internet radio. So I figured it out. I started a little radio station for my house. Me and my best friend uh, would go on twice a week um, and we'd engage. We have people, you know, uh, call us from being in the army and stuff. They were like oh, Korea, wow. whatever. Um, so Europe, they would contact us and we'd have like an advance we'd put on Facebook, we would put like the discussions we're going to have today. So that way they knew and put their little input and we would talk about it. Um, So I loved it. I loved conversing. I loved laughing. Like I would do my set list pretty much Mm -hmm. and write Mm -hmm. what I was going to talk about, but the funny about it. Um, And that's when I actually realized that that I wanted to do stand-up, that I wanted to do I'm sorry, can you hear my dogs? That's fine, I can, and I love it. (laughs) (sighs) I just literally got back into town, so they missed me, and I didn't want to cage them up in the kennel, but they just fight all day long. Oh, the 
the Nuggets mind is, keeps popping up and being like, hey, I want to say hi. <laughs> yeah, I want to see attention. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I love that you're doing this the podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I loved meeting you. What, what's it been, like three or four years? Or has Several it been years, yeah. Like, Because yeah. we met at the Chicago Women's Funny Festival. Festival. Yeah. And I was like, you're from Dallas? Oh, my God, I'm from Dallas. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just remember, you know, I would tell my wife, because my wife is out of town right now, and, mm-hmm. and I told her I was going to be on your podcast. And she's like, oh, my God, I remember her. I'm like, Yeah. I'm like, that's so cool. I'm like, she's doing what I want to continue doing. You know, yeah, I yeah. I know I let you you said you were jealous of me being there and I started typing, but I erased it. I'm like, don't be jealous of me. I'm jealous of you because you're doing what I want to do. And unfortunately, I have to have, you know, a 40 hour corporate job because I'm the only income in my family because we have a special needs daughter, my wife, when I met her. So she can't work. So therefore I have to work and try to follow my dreams. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's it's just a lot of work. And I wish mm-hmm. I could just fully follow my dreams. Like mm-hmm. that's what I would want, mm-hmm. uh, which that's the plan. But yeah. We'll yeah. I mean, don't be too jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm applying for grants and hoping for money any day now. <laughs> um, but there is something to be said because like for years I would essentially work. So I waited tables for a long time. So it wasn't a full 40 hours, but it was definitely rigorous. Yeah. And then I would turn around and take a nap and then get back up to start working on on comedy and writing scripts and working on podcasts and, and everything. So it's, uh, it's definitely that hustle right even now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot of work. It's not mm-hmm. saying, Hey, you don't put yours in, but I know like with comedy, you're putting more than 40 hours. Like your comedy's yeah. nonstop. Um, and that's, but you're, you're doing what you love and that's what mm-hmm. I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. you know, I always think of being like doing Uber and working around my schedule, but that's just not the income I need. I need more to, right. you know, to raise three people, to cover three people, you know, to keep that cute chandelier hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. My wife's decorations. <laughs> we don't use so, it. I'm like, why do we not use it? She's like, it's just to look nice. Why? <laughs> Turn the bitch on occasionally. I mean, yeah. I'm like, can we see it? <laughs> so you talked about you were doing your radio station, and that's when you realized that you wanted to do stand up. Yes. What did that realization and what did that journey look like as you began? Okay, so I've always loved stand up. I. <sighs> I just loved watching it. That was my happy place. And I always knew I kind of wanted to try. I just never knew I could. I didn't know what to do or what steps. And so basically when I started the internet radio station and started doing the talking, my sister passed away in that time frame. Mm. Um, she had three boys and one of the boys did not want to go to college. So she had told me, promise me you're going to make him go to college. So our discussion was, look, just go your mom told me to make you go go and if you don't like it you could always change what you want to do it doesn't matter how old you are and he said well what would you do if you can change what you want to do i said i'd be i'd be a comedian and he's like well then you're not too old you do it you do it and i go to college so that's what happened pretty much Mm -hmm. he went to college Mm -hmm. i started stand up um stand up as you know it's it's probably harder for you i know it's harder for you but i'm not the look people are going for 
right? You know, when they, when you hit the stage, a guy can be whatever, how he looks as long as he's funny, but a woman, you better look skinny, tall, sexy, attractive, and not downplaying myself. I'm just saying I'm not the look, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, so it's very, very hard. Not only that, not having a look, but being a butch lesbian, it's like anytime I hit the stage for practice, they love me. But anytime like the improv or hyenas, they're looking for somebody to open for somebody. Oh no, you're a lesbian. We only want you to open if like Fortune Feaster's here. Then mm -hmm. I get booked for Fortune Feaster and they're like, well, she doesn't want another LGBT opening for her. And I'm like, well, where do I fit? You know? Why? So, do, that's so insane that you wouldn't want somebody else that's LGBT. Yeah, well, because they say like they don't want you better than them. And nothing against fortune because that's exactly what how it did not go down. I learned later on somebody paid the guy, the booker, to open up for fortune because they wanted to connect. So had I had already been promised the gig and he made up the lie. And so that's when I mm. got very, very discouraged because I didn't know all this political, the way it goes. And you know, I had a lot of people going to that show. It was like literally an hour before. They canceled on me and let me know, oh, I'm sorry. She doesn't want you to open. And I had no idea it was a lie until later mm. on. Um, so that's how I started. Like, I literally started, was ready to quit because I'm like, if this is how it's going to go, like, there's no changing me or myself. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, my comedy will probably change, you know, as you grow and you learn and how yeah. they say you figure out yourself and your words and um but it's just it's kind of like you, there's no fitting you know there's yeah. there's no fitting they like you or you don't and even, even if they do like you you might not fit you yeah. know so i found uh poppy chaplin she's ahead of poppy. queer queens of comedy yes yeah. she's silly goofy as hell and uh i found her and she gave me an opportunity so i tour with her sometimes um so i saw that she had dana goldberg the other day i love her she's yeah. one of the people that i've actually had when I started researching that I wanted to do comedy, I started Googling like LGBT comedians, queer mm -hmm. comedians, and it was Jen Cobra that popped up. Yes. Papa Chaplin, Dana Goldberg, obviously Wanda Sykes. And yes. I'm just like, I love Dana Goldberg. Like she, I went to go see her in person in Vegas, her and Poppy, and I was like, this is what I want to do. This, yeah. People love her. You may not be able to do it anywhere and everywhere, but, and now you can, you see Dana everywhere. Yeah, so she's then, everywhere. Like, uh, yeah, she is. Yeah. Raising money, helping, speaking. Yeah. Like, I love Dana Goldberg. Same, same. And yeah. when I met her, like, her warmth just encompassed me. And I was like, oh, my God. She's like, I love her. So, yeah. yes. Um, like you, I feel that whole thing. Like, nobody knows where to put me. Like, they're like, so yeah. I don't work in traditional comedy club settings usually. That's not been my my focus. I kind of created my own thing because it's so tough. Like, and yeah. I started when there were three Nothing. trans comics yeah. in the world, you know, like, you know, yeah. very few of us. And so, um, so I was like, well, I'm not going to try to fight for gigs at the comedy clubs around, around the country. I'll just start booking my own. So that's yeah. what I've been doing. And that's how I think I'm going to have to do. And I mm. mean, we have 
no offense, but you know, lesbians probably have a little bit more selection than you. But I feel the same way. I was watching somebody, I can't, I don't know her name, but I think you follow her. And she was saying after years of being said no, she had to pave her own way. And now her Amazon, she got a special on Amazon or something. Um, I was like, you know what? I need to look into that and how yeah. I can do my own. And I hear yeah. a lot of people say that, that they get their own producers and cameras and they just do their own. And I think that's what it is. We just got to create the space for ourselves. Yeah. And, and thinking about it right now in this specific time in history, it has never been more accessible. Like our phones yeah. can do, you know, HD quality filming yeah, like it's insane the mic, yeah. yeah we've got these kind of platforms that help us yeah. create nice audio and video and yeah it's amazing so we will talk we will we will touch base and try to get something yeah. going together how about that yes i do believe so that's funny because you said it because i was like you know what you should actually produce your own like bring it together let's just do it and just create your different episodes uh yeah. somebody reached out to poppy and I don't, I can't remember if I look through it, I'll look through it, but they did something in New York and they did like a queer pride one and it was all gay, lesbian, queer, and it was just audio and they sold it to yeah. somebody on Spotify where they get, um, I don't know how much on it, but just, you know, as it's played and it's not about the money to me. And that's how I've always said it. it's letting people know who I am. I'm there. Hey, book yeah. me because yeah. I would love the exposure. I, I want to make people laugh and you know how they say a lot of us are dark and it's just, I want to, what gets me off and it's ugly is, is you laughing at me or with me for that very moment. I forget, you know, how sad I am about my sister or how yeah. lost I am or how I felt back then when we didn't have um, all these people to acknowledge that we're here and we're queer, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because you know, like you said, you lived here 20 years ago. Texas is still not there where LA is, you know, yeah. like we're, you still have those people that are just hurtful and horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just something you go through every day. And, and I, I could just imagine like you just, you know, my best friend has a niece, uh, which now is a nephew goes by Al <clears throat> and they went to New York and in the restroom and he said, somebody was just so horrible just saying like, what are you doing standing in this line? You belong in that line. You want to be a boy, you be in that line. Like, and it was just like a whole breakthrough thing at, in New at York? the damn club. Yes. And I'm just, mm. yeah, at Boxers or somewhere, some club. And they literally took him because um, graduation, like that was his trip that he wanted for graduation. And he was just transitioning. Um, and I'm just like, it's, it's rough on a daily basis. It's a battle, you know, and even, even in big cities, like when I transitioned, yeah. like it, I could, I lost a job. I couldn't find a job and I'd waited tables forever, you know, like I had, so yeah. I, um, and I'm so fortunate that when I travel, people don't look at me and say, you're in the wrong restroom or anything. Like I understand how, how like I'm so grateful that I don't have to face that on a daily basis but it's also important for us to be open and who we are and and live in authenticity so that other people can uh, find ways to work yeah. through their own issues around it so that other people children don't have to face 
all the yeah. crap that we have to face. Exactly. Like you would hope after us, game's over, but no, it's it's not game's over. It's it's still yes. there, and yeah. and it's sad because you don't know who it is. Like I said, Al, um, grandparents loved Al, mm-hmm. and when Al transitioned they disowned Al. Like, yeah. no, you're not our granddaughter no more. Hit the highway. So every Thanksgiving and Christmas, Al is at home alone because the family is over there. You know, and Al's parents were like, no, we'll stay home with you. It's not right. And they're like, no, I want my brothers and sisters to, you know, keep a tradition. They go to grandparents' house. I'll stay home. And Al is home alone. Like my best oh. friend will call, like, because it's just it's still there and it's in your own home and your own neighborhood, you know, your own family, your own blood. And it's just, it's just horrible. And that makes me want to move back so I can just have Christmas for Al and me. And like, (laughs) I know that my wife's like, I want a a friend's giving and I want to do this and I want to do that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll see. But you also want to (laughs) travel. That's one of those things that's so hard for, um, especially queer people that are, are disowned and move halfway across the country. Well, even if you don't move halfway across the country, not having that support system, those family members who really understand and accept you not being able to go someplace on holidays. So like um, your wife was saying, Friendsgiving, my best friend and I had a, had huge Thanksgivings every year. Um, and all the go-go boys and drag queens <laughs> And porn it's like stars, in the real one, right? right? <laughs> they would all come over to our house, and we would have music playing, drinking, all two turkeys usually, and like so much food. And that's where, and and I look back at I, I've been watching a lot of like queer history stuff, and watching how those who came before us that were disowned by their families, how they created community by pulling together and creating houses and, and creating this space of loving of affirmation was so inspiring. Yeah. Um, do you find that even though you have your family, you're able to go to, do you find ways to kind of connect with your people that need community like that? Or is that something yeah and i always invite them over to my family uh to be honest with you and it doesn't matter if you're queer or not like Mm -hmm. you know people will disown you just because you uh divorce your wife and they don't believe you know how latinos are like for anything they just want to x-nay on you (laughs) you know like and and i'm white so that was but that's also white people (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't want i don't want anybody thinking that i'm latina because you know like i'm i I'm the Rachel Dolezal of the Latino community. But I'm saying, you know us. Like, you you know. It's like, it's an unspoken thing. Like, everybody could tell from the get-go. I was a little lesbian girl. I had a chili bow haircut. Wore ties on picture day. You know? Um, But it was never spoke about. And then it wasn't until I was moving out of town where my dad's like, are you moving because you're gay? And I'm like, no, I'm moving because my girlfriend's over there. You know, (laughs) like, he's like, but you could find one here. You don't have to move. I'm like, no, but, um, y'all will move for puss though. Like y'all will move for puss at a heartbeat. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I love my family and I am so close to them. I don't know how I did it. Like 10 years, I moved to Austin for my wife and, and I'm just like, what was I thinking? You know what? (laughs) But you're right. 
you you do <laughs> and i think about it i always tell my best friend because he's gay and he's always just like oh this i'm like you know what it's not what that is i don't know i'm not saying that about my wife i'm just saying like it's not that big of a deal it's not that serious <laughs> <laughs> it, like i understand because even before i transitioned i was the the I hate saying gay boy, but like I was the one who was like, like my sister was, was, is a lesbian and, and we were at Sue Ellen's all the time. And they were like, they were like, when you come out, are you going to be a lesbian? And I was like, I wish, um, I'd prefer that over sleeping with men, but I'm unfortunately attracted to them. (laughs) (laughs) But, and I do like my uncle, my uncle's Mexican and he will not call me by my, my name he will call me by my birth name and always says hey boy and i'm like um huh (laughs) so so i i do get that and uh and i love him dearly yeah and yeah it is what it is ain't it yeah i know i know my (laughs) wife will visit some of my family and she's like oh my god how how do you talk to this person you know yeah and i'm like well she that's the way she is you know she's my aunt she's set in her way she's old you know and my wife's like no I can't, i'm not going there i'm not going mm. there no more mm. and i'm just like you know there's no change in her talking to her i mean you want me to cut my aunt out of my life and, and she's not saying anything directly to us and it's not even about lgbt it's like other races or whatever but yeah yeah it's it's horrible but they're <clears throat> your family. So as long as I'm not letting the poison in, you know, or it's not directly or anybody I know. Yeah. You know. But I want, I want to get some of that poison out of them, you know, like I know. And me and my wife do, and there's just nothing. And I, I get it. If I'm in their home, they can say what they want to, but the minute they enter my land, at my property, that's when it's game over, you know, and they're, right. they can't <laughs> handle it. They, they jet yeah. so quickly because they can't handle the heat. Mm-hmm. Mm. God bless them. Like I want to tell, uh-huh. I want to shake everybody and be like, "Have you actually read the red letters?" Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, because so many of them, Trump supporters, Trump supporters. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. And then my my wife's family is from the country. It's um, Molten. It's like an hour and a half away from Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. All of them, Trump on the yard, Trump mm-hmm. flag. The minute you roll up, I'm like, do they just? You know, and I can't mm-hmm. say talk much noise because my family's down the street in the same way. Yeah. But it's just like it, it made everybody separate. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's it divided us and it yeah. still it still did and it still does, but it's just horrible. I'm like, you're don't you know, you know, all this help you get from your kids is not Trump, you know, you're yeah. you getting the system, but you want to vote for this person that's against that. But yeah. Um, that, that's an interesting topic because like my mom, I, she told my sister before I came out that if I transition, she will never call me by, by that name or never call me she, her. Right. Mm -hmm. So it took me a long time to come out to her. And when I did, like it was, I was crying. I was like, (laughs) I'm transitioning. And she goes, I just want you to be safe. And, and since then she calls me Dina, I would say 50% of the time, um, which I can handle because I thought she would never do it. But I know that she loves me and 
even though we have political discussions and like my mind is just like, what? How did I come from you? You know? Yeah. Um, what are ways that you are, how do you, how are you able to do that? Because I think it's important for us to be able to relate to all people, whether they agree with us on or not. How do you do that in your life? How do I deal with them? Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of redirecting. So, you know, it'll just be my aunt will say, oh, because build that wall and all these Mexicans. And I'm looking at her. You're like, but I'm like, like, your husband's from Chihuahua, Mexico. (laughs) He's here under somebody else's ID, you know, and I'll just redirect her because she's like, hey, do you think we're going to get another stimulus check? And I'm like, I don't know. My president Biden says he is, but I mean, you didn't vote for him. So I don't know if you are, you know, and she's one of those that believes anything she reads or you tell her, she's like, oh, well, I mean, I vote for Trump, but I didn't actually go vote. And I'm like, really? So why are you running your mouth if you're not even going to take the time to go vote, but you're a Trump supporter? Like that's the kind of people I'm dealing with, you know? Yeah. It's just a lot of redirecting and conversation because it's just she'll give her points and what she believes. And mm. then I'll tell her, well, you know, this PPP you got and the more money you got, that's Biden. You know, mm. this, that's Biden. You know, mm. who's helping you and your food stamp? That's Biden. you like, I just let her know, like before it was hard to pull anything out of Trump's mouth. It was just getting a little bit from him because he was trying to get re-voted yeah. for. But yeah. it wasn't about the people. Yeah. You know, it's Not a lot of redirection and educating Mm-hmm. Um, because people are not educated. They just, they just eat the fluff and they believe anybody or anything you mm. tell them, you know, and, and yeah. then they want to say they're this way when they're really not, because they don't even know the truth. They don't even know who this person or what they're for. You know, they just want to be that way. You better preach. Preach yeah, to me. I'm just... <laughs> yeah. It's just I... to them. Yeah. I love it. Um, so let's talk about this and this will be my final question. What's the best okay. thing about your life as a comic? Hmm, and it doesn't thing, have to be about comedy, but what is your what's the best thing in your life right now? Uh, the best thing would be, um, man, just doing what I love, you know, just I love laughing, like mm. I really, really do. Prior to the death of my sister. I was always smiling. I was always somebody you'd want to be around. And people still want to be, they gravitate towards me. But I was like an innocent little bystander. Any conversation you had with me, you were just laughing. Like it was a story and I can deliver it. Um, And so now with comedy, I'm finding myself again. I'm finding Mm. that little Chris prior to the loss of a sibling, you know, Mm. and and that's what I love. When I'm on that stage, I just find that and I don't want to let go of it. And, yeah. and that's what keeps me going is I just love being me, you know? Yeah. I'm so sorry mm-hmm. for your loss. Thank you. I know it's going to be um, 10, 10 years this year. Mm. So, yeah. She was wow. young. She was 20, 30. She was 30 years old. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. It was young. It was hard. But, you know, we're only like literally 18 months apart. And yeah. so we were raised up like twins, dressed alike, everything. So it was it was hard. You know, it was like your best friend, your your first love. She had my yeah. heart, you know, everything. Yeah. Anybody picked on her, I was there. But 
um yeah I'm do you Mr. find that do you find that comedy helps you cope with that find ways to deal with it in a positive way yes yes um, i do and i and i feel her it's funny because every time i feel like i want to quit and it hasn't been often it was at the beginning every time i feel like i want to quit i'm like you know what i'm gonna do this one gig and or i'm gonna do this and if nothing happens um or i'm like this is the last one i was in houston and it was at a hookah bar and it was like a hip-hop thing and i'm like after this this is it i told my wife uh, she's like why i'm just like i just feel like it's not for me i'm not gonna get nowhere i'm wasting our time and after i got off the stage they put us in a little private booth area and three girls pulled up in front of us that had the other booth one looked exactly like my sister and i looked at my wife and i'm like that looks like katrina she's like i know and she told me she was like you you needed a sign like you needed a sign to keep going on and my sister from the get-go before she even passed said i think you should do comedy she said i think you're very very funny mm. um and i think there's not that many people like you like lesbian queer and your voice would be good and heard and there's neat you know there's so many people that are fighting to come out or to be themselves and people that are like us and there's not too many of our faces on that stage for them to relate to you know it's just barely become very familiar to have a latino up there or black or an asian you know and so yeah. now that we finally got those colors and races out there let's let's put us you know let's put yeah. us up there and, and that way people can have a space yeah and that's what i hope for i love it and as we mentioned before at the beginning of the show, if you are a young person who is is looking for some support and in, in just being able to be who you are, you can find help at thetrevorproject.com. And if you are an adult who needs substance abuse or mental health care and you need some help, you can call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357, or you can find more at samhsa.gov. Chris, thank you so much for your time, and I can't wait to see you in person and do comedy together again. I know. You're going to have to tell me what festivals you're going to go to, so that way we can Maybe we'll talk more after, after this, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Nina. You have a good one. You too. Bye. And that's all the time we have this week. Thanks again for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. Don't forget to find us on all the social media at I Love Funny Women. And also find us on the YouTube. This podcast was written by me, Dina Nina Martinez. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dina Nina Martinez co-written by Janice Rodriguez, who played Estella Ruiz, and you can find her on Instagram at JVR Speaks. Also check out our podcast, Defending Indiana, on all the podcast platforms. You can find our glamorous door gold Greg on Instagram at GG Potter. Uh, thanks to our guest, Chris Guzman, and of course, our announcer, Krista Garner, can be found on Instagram at Krista Garner. This is an Artemis Glow Studio production in association with Crossover Media and AMG.